Hi, my name is Matthew Cossens from Auric Group and welcome to our leadership series for 2020 for International Women's Day. As part of this series, we've sat down with some exceptional female leaders to talk about their story, their journey and what makes them tick. Additionally, we'll talk about the Each for Equal campaign for International Women's Day. We hope you enjoy the series and thanks for listening. In today's episode, we sit down with Jennifer Trodden, who's the head of campus for Wyndham Christian College. Wyndham Christian College is one of the fastest growing independent schools in the western suburbs in Wyndham Vale, which is a major growth corridor. They're on a 30 acre property and already in their first year, they've seen their numbers double. Jennifer's been a teacher for 17 years. She's the founder of On Point Leaders, which is a network for women in leadership, and she's a great personal friend of mine. We hope you enjoy the episode with Jen. Good afternoon, Jen, and thanks for joining us for this interview in regards to International Women's Day and around leadership. Oh, thank you, Matt. It's such a pleasure to be here. So firstly, tell us about yourself. Who is Jennifer Trodden? Well, uh, Jennifer Trodden is about to turn 40 this year, so I think it's all downhill from here. Uh, No, not really. Uh, Married uh, to a Scottish man with uh, two daughters, 13 and 11, and I'm currently the head of campus uh, for what is one of the fastest growing independent schools in the western suburbs. So we started last year with 100 students, Mm. and this year we've doubled with 200, and we'll keep adding 100 a year. Wow, fantastic. So talk us through your leadership journey today. Yeah, so uh, with my leadership journey, there's some different stages that I can see. So back at my first school, it was mostly around sport coaching. I think that was where I learned about um, how to be a good leader and how to run events and work with students and parents. And then um, at my second school, it was a bit of a lily pad year. So I didn't do leadership at that school, but I had exposure to what it's like working inside another large school. Um, My third school was probably the beginning of my leadership journey. So at that stage, I'd done um, seven years of teaching in schools and I felt um, that I'd really mastered a lot of those basic skills. And so I stepped in as the head of sport. Now, interestingly, that's the one role that I said I would never do, um, but it turned out I was actually really good at that role and uh, and had a really successful year running carnivals for the school and learning how to carry large administration loads and work with uh, a variety of different people. So I kind of platformed from a head of sport uh, into head of faculty. Mm-hmm. So now I was responsible for um, curriculum documentation and um, and now leading a team. And then after a period of time, uh, year nine coordination. So that's when I started to deal with some of the more difficult things, um, difficult parent situations or student Mm -hmm. situations, and then into learning coaching, which was a skill I was able to take across um, all areas of my career, the ability to uh, speak to parents and students and other teachers using coaching conversations. So I think all of those things set me up on this journey to be a head of campus. You know, back when I was the head of sport, it was about gaining confidence for myself. And then when I was the head of faculty, it was about leading others on their journey. Mm -hmm. And then when I was a coordinator, it was stretching those skills, those conflict management skills, especially with uh, parents who were upset or students that had done the wrong thing. 
Um, and then the coaching part was all about developing coaching skills, yeah. which, you know, helps in every area of your life. And yeah, all that kind of came together for me probably at the start of last year when I took on head of campus role. So yeah, that's my, my leadership journey in a nutshell. Yeah, fantastic. So looking at those different paths then, what have been some of your, your greatest challenges on that journey? Yeah, so I think uh, some of my greatest challenges on that journey, number one would be uh, not knowing what was next. Mm. So doing the journey and enjoying a particular part, but then when I get bored or tired of that job, not knowing what the next step would be. So there was often a lot of feeling of, oh, am I on the right track? Am I still doing the right thing? What am I doing here? So so that's hard when you, you can't see what's next, but you know there's something else there. Um, I think another challenge was that I was studying throughout all of those leadership steps. I was Mm -hmm. doing a master's of education and, um, yeah, that was really hard to juggle with, um, full-time work, you know, one or two leadership roles, a young family and study. Mm -hmm. So, so that was definitely a challenge as well. So how did you, you, you manage that, that juggling situation? Yeah. Well, I think for me, I had a really supportive partner and that's probably, um, the most important thing in this journey. Um, without a supportive partner, I wouldn't have been able to take that time release on a Saturday and vanish yeah. for 12 hours to study um, or, you know, to, to sit down at night and study. So, yeah, I'm really grateful for that support to actually be able to to reach my full potential, whereas I think if I was still carrying the full load at home, mm. I, I don't think I could have achieved half as much as what I have. Yeah, for sure. So looking at accomplishments then, what would you say have, have been your most significant accomplishments to date? So my most significant accomplishments would have to be um, achieving a Master's of Education by research. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a pretty intimidating task. For sure. And I often you know, didn't know if I was doing it the best way and what, what to do next. Uh, and probably the second biggest accomplishment would be um, running a campus uh, and building it from the dust, literally from the dust. Yeah, wow. So, yeah, we have a 30-acre property and at the start of last year we had just nothing on it and yeah. now we're seeing this school take shape. So that's been just an enormous task to go from having 17 staff and 100 kids to now having 30 staff and 200 kids uh, with 400 parents. So you, you're having to change your leadership constantly the way that you lead and you know Mm. you're able to be highly collaborative in the beginning and as you grow you've got graduate teachers saying just tell me what to do (laughs) so you're you're dancing between collaborating and empowering but at the same time needing to give really clear instructions and needing to know where we're going so that others feel secure so it's been uh, yeah quite an interesting journey yeah huge task to take on so looking at habits or rituals then what do you what do you think you do kind of habitually that helps you know kind of drive your success or set you up for success yeah so i think habits and rituals are are really important and i think they're often underestimated by people who aspire to leadership and i think things like um making simple things actually like making sure you go to bed on time Mm. you know you can't sit up all night and watch netflix um you know, you need to be in bed 9.30 or 10. Um, having physical activity in every single day as a stress release, but also to look after your core and your back and your neck. Um, so, you know, I, like like you, get up at 5 in the morning and mm. get down to F45 um, just so that I've got that opportunity to build some really good strength and some stamina yep. and get my immune system really strong. 
Uh, food is so important. You know, I, I can't binge out on sugar and, yep. you know, stock up on carbohydrates because that's going to make me sluggish and yep. I'm more likely to get colds and flus. So, yeah, it's, it's, it is quite a disciplined life. And, you yep. know, Friday night I need to crash. I'm yep. exhausted. And Sunday night, you know, I, I'm trying to get to bed early. So there's, there's always this consciousness of, you know, how can I present my best self on Monday and yep. be able to sustain that entire week. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So, I mean, you touched on a couple of different sacrifices there, um, obviously on a, on a bit more of a smaller scale, but looking at sacrifices over your journey, what, what sacrifices do you feel you've had to make to be a successful leader? Well, I think I'd be lying if I said there was no family sacrifice because yeah. there really has been. And, you know, on Saturday, you just want to hang out with the family or do something nice or even mm. get out in the garden and you're, you're stuck in an office because you're trying to finish your studies. Yep. And so what I'm looking forward to now that I'm, I've come through that six-year period is, is paying back in. Uh, mm. The girls are 11 and 13 and we're getting to that stage where we're enjoying similar things. And so I think that's going to be a special time for us and that was, yep. it was definitely a sacrifice. So when I could have been chilling with the kids and enjoying some family time, um, yeah, I wasn't able to do that. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well. Mm. And so, so looking, at, I guess, in, in terms of lessons you've learned over the journey, I mean, you, you've gone through so many different pathways and different roles, and your current role is obviously huge, but um, what's the biggest lessons you, you think you've learned over that journey from a professional point of view or even from a personal point of view? Yeah, I just think um, you can't overstress the importance of leading authentically yeah. and leading leading as yourself because yeah. when you, you try and compare yourself to other people or you try and be somebody else or, you know, try and try and put on a coat that's just not yours like it just it doesn't work mm. and so you really need to discover who you are inside and what your personal qualities are and then lead authentically in the in that role and that's what's going to be sustainable mm. long, long term not trying to be somebody else or not trying to lead like somebody else so yeah. for a long time I thought you know I have to lead like a man yeah. but the problem is like I'm not a man yeah. and <laughs> I don't think or process like a man and yeah. so you know I spent so much time second guessing myself and I think now I um I'm leading like a woman yep. and that's okay and and even when I say leading like a woman like I'm leading like Jen because yep. what what's that definition leading like a woman yeah I just need to lead exactly how I need to lead that's unique to me my style yep. and you know people some people are really going to love that and some people are really not going to love that yeah. and I have to be comfortable okay. with that yeah. too yep. yeah yep. like I can't win everybody but I'm going to save a serious amount of energy if I could just be loyal to who I am and to lead authentically. Yeah. So looking at leading authentically then, what, yeah, what is leading like, Jen? Oh, Matt, that's a tricky question. It's <laughs> so a big question. I didn't is, even have it on the list. I know, right? You, you just throw me in the deep end. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So for me, these are things that I've worked out. Um, if I do things alone... Uh, I can get a really good result and I can get a really fast result. Mm -hmm. But I've learned that if I can bring the team together and share, pitch an idea early and let everybody share their ideas, uh, then at the end of that collaboration process, it, uh, what the end result that we achieve is always better. Mm -hmm. And so I've learned straight up, um, lean into my ability to collaborate mm -hmm. and to make people feel comfortable and for their ideas to feel um, validated. Mm -hmm. And then the, 
everybody benefits. Yeah. So, so that's a really big thing. So I can pretend to be this big leader that knows how to do everything, but the truth is like, I really don't. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's part of me leading authentically is acknowledging, okay, I'm, I'm not sure the best way to go forward here. Yeah. What, what do you all think in the room? And then we come up with the best solution together. So, yeah. yeah that's really good. So looking at inspirations then, who, who are your biggest inspirations? Yeah, so I do have um, a lady who, I, who I'm who i very inspired by and she's been a mentor. I never asked her to be a mentor, mm. you know, will you be my mentor? But we, we just started to spend more time together. She yeah. had been a principal of another school and um, often the stereotype for the female principal is, um, you know, hair back in a bun, mm -hmm. uh, painted nails, knee length skirt. Um, high heels and stockings yeah. and she just um, she just throws that entire stereotype so she she wears flat shoes no makeup mm -hmm. um, no nail polish and uh, she's really smart and yeah. so she uh, has gotten to where she is today because of the study that she's done at Melbourne mm -hmm. University um, the net networks that she has um, the amount of effort that she's actually put into her job mm -hmm. and so yeah I feel really inspired by Lisa, her name's Lisa, mm. uh, because she has actually led authentically like her and she's very, very successful and yep. it's been about her brains and not just her physical appearance, even yeah. though I know yeah. that, you know, these things are important and obviously when you're dealing with parents and, um, and students, you do need to present well, yep. uh, which she does. She presents very well, but um, yeah, she lets uh, her hard work and the brains do a lot of the talking. So yeah, yeah. No, that's mm. awesome. Um, so looking at your career, and I know you're you know, you're emerging in in, in you know, a very senior leadership role, and and the path before you, um, you know, I think you know where you want to head. But you know, if you could start over, you know, from now, what would you do differently? You know, what would you tell that younger version of yourself? Well, I think uh, for a lot of women, confidence is a really big thing. Yep. And I would tell my younger self, like, come on, shake it off. Like, you've got this. Mm -hmm. Give it a shot. What's the worst thing that could happen? Yep. Like, I'd be trying to instill confidence. Yep. Because when I look back at where I started in my journey, I really did have a lot to offer, yep. but I couldn't see it. Mm -hmm. And it took certain individuals in my life to actually identify that talent yep. and create opportunities for me. But they, they had to call it out of me because I couldn't see it. So I think I would certainly encourage myself as a younger leader and with that I think that would make me more bold in yep. my leadership journey yeah. and potentially I could have achieved even more at this stage like I'm still happy with my career trajectory I think mm. I've still achieved a lot in a short amount of time sure. uh, but I think I could have achieved even more yep. with some more confidence yeah yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah and how do you think you would have found that confidence earlier on so it's easy with hindsight to look back and go, if I had more confidence, I'd be more bold. Yeah, and, and that's a great thing to pick up on. But you know, if you had that time again, you know, what, how do you think you could unlock that? Obviously, people pulled that out of you. But how do you, how, is there other ways you think you could have un unlocked that over the journey? Oh, that is such a tough question. <laughs> how would I find the confidence? I think the challenge is if you can't see it yourself, mm. it's hard to figure out how you're going to access that. Yeah. But that's where the importance of these supportive networks come from yeah. and mentors because there's things that I could do that I couldn't see yeah. that other people noticed. And yeah. they're like, you're really good at X. Yeah. And you think, what? Me? No way. Yeah. And then enough people say that and you realize, oh, 
I must actually be good at X. Mm. And so it came down to, and particularly now, it's the people that I'm mixing with, the networks that I'm mixing with. And people yeah. will say things like, um, gee, you're really focused, you're really hardworking. And you think, oh, okay, that's interesting. Am I? Okay, yeah. Yeah. great. So, yeah, I, I think a lot of the encouragement and the confidence has come from the groups that yeah, I've been mixing with. Yeah, yeah, and just that validation of you're on track, you got the skills, we can see you got the goods and yeah. yeah, that's that's where a lot of that confidence comes from. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. So so coming on to one of the reasons why we're we're having this interview today is really around the, the International Women's Day and, and their campaign this year is is each for equal and you know, to, to, to read you through it, an equal world is an enable world. Individually, we're all responsible for our, our own thoughts and actions all day, every day. We can actively choose to challenge stereotypes, fight bias, broaden perceptions, improve situations and celebrate women's achievements. You know, collectively, each one of us can help create a gender equal world. What does that mean for you? Well, I think to have a gender equal world, we need uh, gender equal opportunities. Mm -hmm. And in order to have gender equal opportunities, I think that in my profession, it's examining the bias yep. that exists. And I'll give you a practical example. Yeah, so it was um, a while ago, I sat interviewing a staff member for a role and I knew that she'd had a baby recently. Mm -hmm. And the gender bias inside me is saying, oh, isn't a bit early to go back to work? Mm. Who's going to look after your baby? Yep. I'm not sure if I feel comfortable employing that person. Mm. Now I'm sharing with you secret inner yeah, yeah, thoughts, yeah. right? The woman, things you're yeah, not supposed to say. Woman, yeah. Yeah, and I'm looking at it and yeah. I'm, a, I'm an advocate for, for females being empowered to work and reach their full potential. But yeah. inside as a mother, yeah. I'm thinking, wow, oh, is this the right decision for your family? Mm. But the challenge is, um, I also know another lovely um, leader, a female leader in my network. And interestingly, she uh, had her, her, um, favorite role, a head of teaching and learning. And after securing that role, she fell pregnant. Yeah. And so her husband and her had a really uh, good chat about what decision they would make as a couple. Mm. And she decided I'm going to have the baby and then um, I'm going to breastfeed and care for my child for the first three months. Mm -hmm. And then my husband is going to give up his career for a period of time yep. and be a stay at home dad. Yep. Now that was their dynamic family decision. Yep. And each person in that relation, in that couple was really happy with what they had decided. Yep. And she took the time off. He had a really good period of time as a stay at home dad. Mm. And she went back to her career Yep. Because if she had have walked at that time, it would have taken her a little while to get back into that role again. Yeah. And so for me, it's being really aware of the biases that I hold inside me yep. and not yeah. saying no for other women. Yeah. Because yeah, if really they've good. put the effort in to actually come and interview or put in an application, they, they actually have really thought about it. Yeah. And I need to trust that they've thought about those parts yep. and, and really challenge myself and say, okay, I made certain choices the way I would raise my children, mm. but other people are going to make different yeah, choices. Make choice. yeah. And that's totally fine. Yep. And so, um, yeah, I can't say other people's no for them. Yep. I just need to give opportunities regardless of the gender mm. regardless of the situation you does the, judge them based on skill does yep. the person have the skill yep. do they have the potential to grow um, is there chemistry within that interview and these are good reasons to to hire or not yep. to hire not because of some deep held bias about whether or not a you know a child needs their mother in the first few months of their life so yeah yeah I've just even challenging myself yep. yeah yeah 
Yeah, that's really good. So looking at your career, how do you feel the lack of gender equality? And, uh, and I mean, the stats are there. Everyone's seen them. I'm, I'm not going to harp on about them you know, in this discussion. But, um, you know, there certainly is a lack of gender equality. How has that affected your journey today? I think the biggest factor has been the lack of role models. Yep. So when you can't see someone that looks like you, dresses like you, talks like you, processes like you, mm-hmm. you also can't see yourself in those roles. Yeah. And so in my 17-year teaching career, I have never had a female principal, wow. ever, wow. ever. And then you talk to other women and they'll say things like, I don't aspire to be a principal. And I feel mm. really sad about that because I think, I don't think that's true. Yeah. I think that you've never actually seen a woman in yeah. that role in your setting and seen how successful she could be yeah. and how great she might make that role look. Mm. And so it's just not attractive to yeah. to women. Yeah. And so I think that's been the biggest uh, issue with the lack of um, gender equality, the, the lack of role models. Mm. Yeah. And have you seen that change through, through your career or has it been kind of a constant, you know, yeah, and, and just being the same throughout that journey? Well, I think within my particular network of schools, I think it's getting worse. Okay. Because wow. what we're seeing is a really high percentage of principals are now uh, resigning. Yeah. And we have a real gap in emerging leaders ready to step into those leadership roles due mm-hmm. to some lack, lack of leadership training and lack of exposure and experience. Yeah. And then we see this massive percentage of women who are teachers, we're the majority of the workforce uh, mm. in education, and this very, very small percentage um, of leaders and the large majority is male. Mm. So we are seeing that there's some issues there. Yeah. And when these principals retire, we're, we're going to be struggling to uh, replace them. Yeah. And if the women aren't seeing these role models and having the opportunities to step up, we're going to have that small pool of males going for those jobs and they mm. will get those jobs mm. because they've got to go to somebody. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the stats are interesting about, you know, women won't apply for a job unless they can do, they know they can do 100% of the role. Yeah. Whereas that small percentage of men, the stats show that they'll apply if they can only Regardless. do 60% <laughs> yeah. of the role. So yeah. Yeah. it's making real, like women understand, like, come on, girls, the fellas are going to step up. They, yeah. They're not going to hesitate like you. They're not yeah. struggling with the confidence. Yeah. They don't have the family constraints on them. You know, it's um, easier for a male to have a trailing wife. Mm. So if he was to adopt a principal role in a rural setting, um, his wife could come with him and potentially if she was a teacher, she could teach in his school Mm. where it's less rare for um, those rural positions for the wife to go to have the trailing husband because what does the husband do when he gets to the country towns? And I think for for women, um, you've really got to cut your teeth and be prepared to move to some of these more remote areas first to gain the skills and get some credits so that you can then apply for the larger roles. And that's certainly been our journey Mm. that, you know, I took my husband an hour and a half away from his family and his friends and his networks from the Southeast over into the West Mm. so that I could have an opportunity. Now I was, I was blessed that I had a happy trailing husband who Mm. has satisfaction in his job still and is able to work from home, but not everyone has that situation. So there's definitely challenges within that. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So how do you think then we can continue to drive change, drive change towards a, a gender equal world and, and drive change for more diversity, more inclusiveness? Um, I think you've touched on a few different things there, but you know, what's your thoughts on kind of moving forward in this space? 
Well, I think uh, having conversations, the power of conversations can't be underestimated because yeah. often women will feel isolated mm. in, the, in their thoughts and their feelings. And when you connect women together, they feel encouraged and then they begin to see role models and support one another. But there's a whole nother side of the equation mm. and that's um, men understanding as well. Statistics show that when women are inside organisations, we see um, financial return improve, yeah, sure. um, there's more collaboration that there's sometimes more loyalty and that's you know I don't want to be too stereotypical here but there's there is some statistics that has a lot of strength in having women within your organization and women within the leadership roles so it's just comes down to conversations and education around the value of providing equal opportunity and having both males and females in your workforce and also in your leadership roles yeah yeah no that's really good so probably my final question to, to wrap things up because I'm, I'm conscious of your time, but you know, as a mum of, of two daughters, uh, and again, I haven't given you this question in advance to think about, but as a mum of two daughters, you know, what would you like to see different when they're your age? Different. I don't want to give away yeah. your age. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I'm already seeing things um, mm. different now in them. So yep. the change is happening in them. Yep. And even though I missed some of their younger years, that I wasn't there all the time. Um, and, you know, often you struggle with mummy guilt, you know, mm. should, should I have been home more? But there's these funny conversations that happen and you realise you are changing a generation. Yep. And I'll, I'll give you the example. So um, I said to both of my daughters, oh, the executive principal of, of this school is going to come to our home and have afternoon tea with us. So make sure, you know, you're on your best behaviour mm-hmm. and you're polite when they say hello, say hello and, you know, yep. interact. So uh, the executive principal came, we had a really nice afternoon tea and he went home and my youngest daughter said to me, oh, mummy, I thought you said uh, that the executive principal was coming over. I said, yeah, he he was, you met him today. Mm. And she said, but he's a man. (laughs) That's so good. Yeah. And I thought, oh my goodness, like in her mind, an executive principal is a woman. Which is great, yeah. (laughs) It's not that I, you know, that I feel that should always be a woman, but uh for a lot of people, it has always been a man. Yeah. And so for them, there's just not the limits on the way that they think and process. Yeah. And so even awesome. when people try and limit them as they grow, and they will, there'll be times when they feel they could reach or stretch for more mm. and others will try to slow them down or tell them they're not ready because that, mm. that's been my journey. I've spent yeah. a lot of time reaching and stepping up and being told to slow down and slow down. Mm. So I'm grateful I never took that advice and yeah. I, I pushed on anyway. But, yeah, with my own daughters, when people tell them to slow down they've got this whole life of other messaging yeah yeah, that says well I don't have to fit inside that box and and I don't believe that I need to be limited and I don't understand why that person should get this over me so yeah yeah, I think my daughters are changed because of the role model that that I'm being for them yeah Yeah. which is quite powerful because then you're impacting generations yeah yeah that's awesome. Well, mm. Jen, thanks very much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Um, and all the best for the future moving forward. I'm sure I'm going to annoy you uh, for many more years to come, but really appreciate your time. Oh, sounds fantastic. I look forward to it. And thanks so much for having me today. Cheers. Thanks for listening to our leadership series for 2020 for International Women's Day. I hope you enjoyed the discussion we had with these amazing leaders. But from here, what I hope you really do is sit down reflect and think about how you could drive change both individually and in your workplace across gender equality and inclusiveness. Thanks again for listening.